what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome, welcome to The Hustle Sold Separately. We are a weekly podcast dedicated to doers, creators, artists, entrepreneurs, CEOs, hustlers, people in and around the world. They're game-changing. They're on their vibe. They're trying something new. They're being misunderstood. They're anti-status quo. <laughs> uh, they're just trying to do anything and everything that just feels right for the soul. They're discovering a lot of themselves along the way. And our guests are no different, and that's the entire theme of our show. So especially for anybody that's new that's tuning into us, because I know we're growing pretty fast, uh, you know, as a lot of the audience would tell you, this whole overnight success thing and the glamorization of it, it it's not true. It doesn't exist. Um, and anybody that's going through anything will tell you, you know, on the way to building something, there's a lot of different uh, intricacies and, and details along the way that they're figuring out, right? And so it's all about humanizing that entrepreneurial or creative journey, bridging that gap so you guys can see like everybody's going through something while they're building something. And they're learning a lot of really great valuable lessons that we're very grateful for that are being shared uh, weekly. And we just turn it into a very conversational style talk. And that's really what it's all about. So you guys can, you know, hear what's what's going on behind the scenes if you will and i have another great show today uh but first for those of you that are new i'm matt goddessman uh you guys can check me out at matt goddessman on uh, instagram if you want to know a little bit more about some of the different things i'm involved in uh or you can you know conversate with me there or at hdf magazine where we talk a little bit more about the a little bit more about the creativity and, 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 and is it echoing do you hear that no oh shit well i'll edit that part out because <laughs> it just it just went away beautiful oh, weird. Okay. Um, anyways, so uh, and we talk a lot about you know uh, entrepreneurship and creativity on HDF Magazine. So you guys can check it out there too. And you guys know I answer each and every DM, text, email. I appreciate all of it that uh, you guys share with me. Truly, truly honored. Um, and I've been doing it for about five or six years of just answering you guys nonstop. A couple of people put me to the test every now and then, and they're surprised I actually answer. So we're gonna dive right into it. Have another great show. My guest is Ruby Roth. She's an artist, designer, author, and illustrator, entrepreneur. She's doing awesome things, and we're going to talk a little bit about it. And we're going to really focus on when your business life and your personal life are all melding together, which happens to a lot of us entrepreneurs, uh, present company included. Um, and then the flip side of this idea of being very multidisciplinary in all of the activities that go into building your brand and your ventures and your art and your creativity because along the way um, you will uh, you'll get help but you have to do a lot of it or most of it or all of it yourself in different phases until you can start to bring in other people um, that can help you in those areas but i'm a firm firm believer in you know you need pr you can have your own pr for a while <laughs> you know you need to market yourself you can market yourself it, it's there's a lot of different activities that you have to learn uh, along the way that um, sometimes people don't realize until like either the budgets are there or the next phase that you're in is uh, uh, requiring it, right? So we're going to talk a lot about that as well. And um, a little background on Ruby, you know, she's featured on Today, CNN, and other major media outlets. 
She's an artist, as I mentioned, designer, and uh, by the renowned branch of her creative house, the world's leading author-illustrator of a series of groundbreaking picture books. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and she's definitely the first of their kind in the children's literature, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, too. And uh, this year, 2019, marks the 10th anniversary of her first book's release, as well as the launch of her fifth book, Bad Day, which I got a copy of in the mail. It's pretty, it's pretty dope, actually, <laughs> which broadens her children's themes to include emotional well-being. And they're very real, and they're very raw, and they're very honest. So I want you guys to be sure to check that out. Um, from children's books to figurative drawings and paintings, Ruby's body of work weaves uh, art together with health, wellness, the environment, and society at large, connecting the dots between our personal choice and the public realm showing how our habits can change our lives the world and the world we live in. Uh, I don't really need to give you any other reason why she would be on the show at this point, because I think that just basically you guys know how I feel about all of those topics, uh, especially when you're weaving both art and business and into mental wellness. Um, she com uh, complimented uh, with uh, uh, two BA degrees in art and American studies, and she has researched health and nutrition, spiritual psychology, politics, and social justice for more than 15 years. So she comes with some serious uh, experience and knowledge. And then using art as a tool for transformation, Ruby is a source of inspiration for over 160,000 followers on social media. And today her books have been translated into 10 plus languages and distributed worldwide. So this woman is crushing it. Ruby, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate having you here. Matt, I've been so looking forward to talking to you and being on. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And I, before the show, uh, you know, I, everybody listening, I told Ruby, I'm like, this is unfiltered. We can say whatever we want here. <laughs> so we're going to go all into it. But Ruby, I was, I, you know, I was mentioning to you, the first question is always the same because it's like, hey, how do we, how do we get to here? Because I loved hearing about your background and the things that you got going on. But you, it, it, you know, like to your point, 10 year run, I mean, that's, that's taken some time and you've definitely had to do a lot of uh, intricate steps along the way. So I'd love to hear more about your background. I know our audience would too. Well, it's 10 years since the first book came out in True. 2009, but this is a lifelong journey um, into, into the moment where you feel like you have somewhat of a career. Or right? I think all of us, you know, never, we keep questioning like when we're, when we're actually pro, like, are we pro yet? We're not yeah. sure. Amen to that. <laughs> I was, um, I think I was born artist. Um, I was drawing since someone put a pencil and a pen in my hand. And I always knew that that was going to be my path. I didn't know how exactly it would manifest or what field I would be in exactly. If it was graphic design or illustration or art. Um, but I knew I wanted to create things um, with a purpose. I knew art with a purpose beyond self-expression. I didn't see myself as becoming a gallery artist um, per se. So um, I was teaching art at an after-school program um, after college, and I'd studied art my whole life, um, took extracurriculars all throughout school. Um, in high school, I was studying at the college and taking you know, community college classes wherever I could and just learning on my own, studying on my own. And out of college, uh, I was teaching art at an after-school program, and the kids started asking me questions about my e eating habits. Um, they had noticed that I wasn't eating what they were being served at recess, which was string cheese and milk. And uh, I've been vegan for about 16-plus years, and I went to look for a book that I could bring in and share with them, do maybe do an art project 
around it and what I found that there there was a hole in the market and what was out there were very few books and they were about a talking animal or a talking vegetable and my students were street wise and street smart and I spoke to them like I would any other adult and I decided to create the books that I wanted to read to them. So that was the beginning of uh, my professional career and um, becoming a published uh, author and artist. And then I've also had um, graphic design work and business and uh, my personal artwork in the visual art field. Um, I've had that going my whole life. Uh, there's so many different areas I want to tackle and what you just said. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, where do, where do I even begin? Well, I, you know, I, I like the fact that you're out there and you're helping and you're serving and then you see a gap in the market of like, oh, this is interesting. Children are not being taught this and that it, you also get to use an outlet of art and storytelling to be more than just self-expression, but to actually continue serving on something you're actually seeing missing in, yes. with these kids lives. Like that's a very, very big, big deal because now you get to use a talent and a skill set to actually be more than just the expression. It, it, you know what I mean? And, and so I think that that's like, that's, that's reaching a whole new level of the game. Um, yeah, that was a complete dream project in that it melded all of my personal interests and my artwork um, and a way to use all my interests in social justice and my political training and bring that into a useful, practical tool, resource for children. Um, and it was inadvertently the kind of project that everybody studies when they're studying, you know, marketing and taking marketing classes and listening to, you know, this expert and that expert on marketing and what to do. It was like a genuine, um, genuine, genuine, genuine to my personality. It was an innovative project. There were no books of their kind like this. There were nonfiction and it was for a niche audience that, um, you know, can be called even fanatical sometimes. So <laughs> was it well received? Yeah, it's been well received. Um, this niche is growing and growing. The first books, um, the first book when it came out in 2009, the publisher, you know, the publishing industry is very risk averse. Right. And the move, the vegan movement was pretty small at that time. And they weren't sure there was going to be an audience. And so they didn't even want vegan in the title. And I really, really fought because I was, you know, on the ground and seeing what was happening and seeing that people were changing and interested in health and plant-based diets. And it was a fight, but I got, you know, vegan and vegetarian in the subtitle. The book is called, That's Why We Don't Eat Animals. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and by the time the second book came out in 2012, they got it. And the movement had grown enough where people were searching for keywords. Um, and they allowed me to call the second book, Vegan is Love, because they now understood um, what was happening. You know, it, it always interests me. It's like, I, I, I get it. I get it. You're risk averse. But you're also dealing with the people who are like on the ground in it, seeing the trends, you know, seeing a needs in the market and 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 know their market. So it's funny when people fight that, you know, they're like, oh, we want to like tone it down or, oh, you know, we're afraid of this. You're like, no, like I'm this is specifically for those people. This is exactly what they would want to see and hear. I'm not doing it for all the other people that you might be worrying about um, because this is for not for them. 
You know? Yeah, and I, I think the idea around marketing has changed, um, you know, in, in the last decade or so as well. Um, Thank God. From, you know, <laughs> but people like, you know, thinking we got to get mass, mass, mass to, mm-hmm. you know, understanding the power of a niche. And so that's shifted as well. Yeah, it's great that um, it's it's becoming understood. At least some people are getting it. But that um, it's not about the masses. It's about your your audience. It's about your relationship with them. It's about like the people you're doing it for. And um, and there's so much more artist ownership over your creativity than ever before. I own the distribution. You own the distribution. So somebody coming in telling you what you can and cannot do, it's like, uh, but I got 160,000 people saying otherwise. Right. And if you don't do this with me, I'll make it happen without you. Right. <laughs> you know, in a lot of ways, you know, because I'm on a, I'm on a mission and a purpose. Yeah, this is the, I'd say it's the democratization of, of media and allowing individuals like us to do what we want and, and wield a little more power. And, you know, and there's also a compromise. The, the publisher has you know, but much bigger yes. distribution arm than I do. And I don't necessarily want to deal with all that stuff. So, you know, it's, it's still, you weigh your pros and cons, you know, moving around business and entrepreneurial endeavors and, um, make your choices from those. I, I mean, absolutely. And that's where collaboration and cooperation come into place, right? Because we all, if we all come to the table with something that, that, um, allows us to expand on the goal here that we're trying to achieve, then great let's do this together, you know, and have an understanding and an intention of why we're doing this together, you know? Yeah. Um, now, how has it been it for you from a business standpoint, from, you know, business and art are, are two, what do I want to say? I, so I had a guest on once and the audience would know I referenced this a couple of times, but I think it's a very valid point. Um, she said it was the, the, the founder of true religion, Jean Kim gold. She said, you know, creators can learn to be business savvy. They can take that same creative energy and learn to be business savvy. Business savvy people sometimes often, if that's all they know, they can't always be creative. It doesn't, it's usually one can become the other, but the other one can't become the other. You know, it's like, and I feel like as a creative, you can channel that energy into becoming, you know, business savvy because you kind of have to, if you're, if you're managing yourself really well, how has that been for you over this time? Like learning the publishing part of the business, learning how, you know, the, the money management goes and learning, you know, making sure that your art is being, um, is expansive, um, and you're, you're protecting it. So there's the business side of protecting it and managing any of the money that comes from it, all these things. Like how, how's it been for you managing it? Like these, you know, the past like decade plus years. Uh, it is a huge learning curve. Um, (laughs) everything from, you know, I think my first big, big lesson with the books was about collaboration. Um, I had, my manuscript was 1500 words, which is like insane for a children's book. And I went in pitching that and they were like, "Mm, this, uh, we're going to cut it like, you know, majorly. And I was like, no, this is going to be a different kind of kid's book. There's going to be a lot of information and education. They're like, no, we're not doing it. (laughs) So, um, you know, I, I fought with them on what to keep and what we had to cut and by the second book, I went in with a completely different attitude about mm. the manuscript, knowing that this was collaboration and this was team effort and that there was going to be give and take. And I became very savvy about how to argue my points. Um, and a lot of it had to do with listening. 
So when people give you notes, uh, you don't fight it right away. You say, okay, great, let me think about that. And then you really genuinely do it. You really have to take some time, whether you, you know, your knee jerk is to agree or, or disagree, um, to take notes and ideas and think about them and then come back strong with your wants and, you know, unwanted notes <laughs> and have, you know, a, a really strong basis for your arguments that way. And that way you're, you're not being reactive. You're being thought out and studied. Um, and that was major for me. And I, that was a huge step in me going from amateur to pro, um, is learning to let go a little bit. And, um, I, I completely agree with you. It's something I've been doing for a while now. I continue to practice it. It's an ongoing practice. And, um, you know, I, 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 I tell people that it's not like a, you get it right away because there's a digesting of it. There's like a, a taking a step back when somebody says something and not reacting. Okay. How am I feeling inside? What's really going on? Let me listen, observe. Totally. Take a moment to, to think about this. Let me, I'll bring it back. And then, have you noticed that over time, the in-between time from when something is brought up to what you're coming back with as a solution or as a, a moving forward is getting less and less because of that practice? Because I often tell people that I was like, that's where the practice comes in because it won't always be like where I'll come back a day later. <laughs> you know, like the goals eventually get it down to like seconds. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, um, definitely I, I am able to get clarity quicker because I'm practiced the process of, you know, it, it, when someone brings up notes about your work, both sides get very emotional. That's right. true in business. Right. It's a, you're having a biological, like physical feeling in your nope. body. Like, oh, I don't want that. They're wrecking my shit. You know, right. Like, Absolutely. Oh, or they're making it softer. Or that's not my voice. Like the, so the process of like, okay, just, you know, acknowledging that that feeling is happening and, and going through the motions of how to get to the next step. Um, yes, that's getting diff that's getting shorter and shorter. Um, but more importantly, I think the biological reaction is not as strong. Um, so I know when I get that little, you know, prick in inside of myself of like, Oh, I don't like that. Um, that I have much, the, the process is much more peaceful now because I know, it doesn't, that's the, the note, even if I don't like it, is not the end of the world. Right. And there's still wiggle room. There's always wiggle room, especially if you have a thought, well thought out um, point about why you want to keep whatever it is. It's why uh, they say entrepreneurship is the um, gateway to the gateway drug to uh, self, uh, self help and self actualization <laughs> and <laughs> self awareness because it, 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 it forces you into um, mindset shifts that you hadn't anticipated so you can understand how to behave. Now, I don't want to use the word behave, but how, how to, you know, react to the world around us and in, you know, record timing over time, you know. Yes, and this is, that's totally, that's and the underbelly of all of my work, um, whether it's my adult figurative feminine drawings and paintings um, or my kids' books, the, the through line is um, our inner world, our mind, body, and soul, and how we are reacting and, and interacting with the outside world. So whether it's about veganism or the inner life of women um, and emotions, I feel like the works I'm creating 
are serve as an initiation, especially with kids, um, into going into your interior. Yeah. And it's an otherwise absent initiation in our culture where you learn your role, um, your duties and, and your values inside of yourself as well as your role in a bigger picture and how you interact and react with an outside local and global community. Thank you for just describing HSS. I appreciate that. (laughs) It's it's true. You know, because that's where the, the, I think people just don't, they don't realize the, the inner, um, the inner work that's being done along the way, that conversation has to happen more and, um, and also shared because, uh, it, your, your work and what you're in anybody's work and what they're doing, um, and, and how they're bringing it to the world is prompting a, a, their inner self to, um, I don't want to say course correct, but kind of like continue to elevate and initiate you know, the, the best version of the thing that they're bringing to the world in that particular subject area and beyond, right. And make it very expansive. So it's every, every single challenge is an opportunity for creative thinking and for accessing your highest consciousness and for choosing to do things in a better way. Amen. That's true. That's (laughs) it's funny because like you'll get challenged on something. You'll be like, I'm going to take this up with my inner management. I'm going to get back to you as soon as possible, but I'm going to go excuse myself right now. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, my, my newest book, Bad Day for Kids, is literally about that. It's about having overwhelming feelings and right. pausing and reflecting and learning the power of turning inward. And whether that comes to you, you know, through business or through food um, for me in my childhood, I wore a back brace um, starting when I was six years old, 20 plus hours a day for 13 years. Wow. That was an initiation into my inner world and my highest consciousness and, you know, led me to be discerning about food and what I put into my body, which led me to, you know, study of the body, which led me to art about the body. And, you know, then all of this turned into a career. So, I mean, it's it's a lifelong journey and um, I don't think there's ever any arrival right. for anybody. We are all constantly working on it. Um, and once you choose, you know, you can see the wisdom in bad, or you can see the the um, the opportunities and challenges. Once you choose that path, and you're always choosing it, you're going to be constantly tested, double tested. You know, once you're doing the right thing, sometimes things get harder. Oh yeah. And challenges get harder and it's really a test to your commitment to choosing that higher path all the time. You know, I like to to use the word initiation. Um, And it's true because I I think a lot of people don't realize that their incarnation is coming in, their soul is coming in to do certain things. And so that when something is activated, it's not bad. It's, it looks on the external as bad, but it's really just an activation of like, Oh no, you're, you're ready to, to tackle this thing. Um, so start doing that because that's part of the work of why you're here, um, and the consciousness of, of getting you past that, which by the way, will also breed you, um, your work, what you're going to be bringing to the world, um, and what you're going to be helping others with as well too, you know, which has been a big part of your journey, the, all the things that you learned, uh, with the back brace and then the eating and what goes in your body became your body of work inside and out, which then, you know, bled over into others. And, and so I, I think that's the part where people, 
you always hear like your mess becomes your message and I get it. It's cliche, but at the same time, that's where people don't realize like you already have the answers. Like you just don't realize it because externally it looks like shit (laughs) and you you feel like shit, right? You feel, it feels like shit. The external environment looks like shit. This is none of this feels good, but that's, it's not what it really appears to be. You're just, yeah, and if, if you fight these challenges or you try to bottle them up or shove them or avoid them, you are just turning your back on yourself it's true. Um, and your potential. Yeah. Well, and so has the mindset, I mean, I, I'm fortunate. I came from parents who were very, um, very liberal and very strong at the same time, you know? So they were very like, Hey, life is, you've got to put in the work but we can do anything and and go try whatever but and get your ass kicked a little bit along the way because that's what'll give you signals but like we're here we love you but like you're going to have to you know life is about figuring out and discovering um i mean did you how did you handle the age of you know 6 7 to 20 with the back brace and and understand what was the you know what i'm going to figure this out did you did that happen very early on were you able to kind of digest that right away and be like you know what I, there's something here going on here Absolutely. Um, it was complete internal journey. Nobody was, um, there were expectations of me, uh, with the back brace, mm-hmm. um, that we were going to do this thing. And, and the point was to avoid surgery. So we took a very aggressive bracing route, which was, you know, an alternative to, yes. to surgery. Um, so there were expectations on me from my parents that, you know, this is what we were doing and you're, you're going to go through this, but it was, um, it was more self-reflection and, you know, this started at age six from four to six, I had, um, electromuscle stimulation therapy that was very painful every night, you know, as a little kid. Um, so it actually started much earlier, but I remember watching, you know, looking at my x-rays in the doctor's office and the doctors are talking about me, but not to me. And, um, you know, then I was wearing this hard plastic thing. And I remember very young having the thought, I am not my body. Mm. And this thing, I am the vessel, something, you know, I'm experiencing something from the outside in, but I am free inside my mind. And I remember, you know, uh, I would get these welts on my body from wearing the brace and I would still have to wear it. And I had a few more hours of the day to like, you know, get my hours in. And I would go, you know, go internal into my brain and into the quiet and try to locate the pain and try to um, explode it and see if I could. And I could, you know, for a couple of seconds. It wasn't permanent. But I found this amazing control and and relationship with my body and mind. Um, And, you know, now I can look back and realize that I was, you know, discovering my observer mind. Um, but this is not something we teach kids. And I think that it should be, you know, it's, it's crucial to learn the power of turning inward and, and managing and monitoring one's inner life. That's level one. Mindfulness is level one. I mean, right. like, there's billion levels above that of, than what you do with what you find in there. Um, but, you know, we're teaching kids volleyball. I don't know if that's... <laughs> the most important thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and everybody listening, like I, I completely agree with Ruby. I'm not, I'm not saying take away from you know, sports are great, but, oh, I, for, but for me, but for me, I, I, I'll tell you, I, where I'm very much in alignment with what you're saying is that 
it, it's been hitting me harder over the last so many years, especially as I see the younger side of the audience say some of the things that they're saying that are very discerning to me. Um, and I feel for them because of the time that they're, they're living in it with all this information and that when you're that young, especially, well, that's more teens, but whether you're a teen or even younger, you're closest to when you were first born. Um, so your soul is still very much, um, y- your programming is still kind of coming in. You, you still, there's still time where your gut is actually more activated than um, being covered up by layers of programming. And I, I like, for me, I, I feel like we, we have a very specific responsibility to help them keep that level of intuition and um and bring them into that kind of more of that inner you know knowing and inner embodiment um, because it can also save them a lifetime of disease of strife of trauma of so many different areas that you know uh, us as adults quote unquote you know have to you know we had to start diving into like all right how do i use certain modalities and healing levels to actually go in to my body at the cellular level and understand that I'm no thing. And then I start, you know, doing these meditations and, you know what I mean? Like all, and like learning more about the food later on, all these things. Um, I think that when kids have them from a very young age, uh, man, they're, they're, they're like, they become superhuman from a very young age and that, that gets nurtured. And I, I feel bad that we don't, we put them right into society, puts them right into a system versus like giving them all these goods that are like really helpful for their, like their life while they're here. Absolutely. A lot of our children's education is on a layaway plan. Like, oh, we'll get to it later. They'll figure that out later. Um, And a lot of it has to do with our Western concept of childhood, which is actually just, you know, mythological. There is no universal concept of childhood. But here, you know, in Western society, we think of kids as pure and innocent and um, completely dependent on adults and kind of frail and delicate. You know, meanwhile, in other cultures, kids are expected to watch their siblings, you know, at a very young age. They're working in marketplaces with the family. They're weaving intricate embroidery and using machetes to open coconuts. Um, You know, and we're impressed if a child can tie her shoe here. Uh, (laughs) So I think we're actually hindering what most kids are capable of physically, emotionally, spiritually um, by not including them in the conversations that we ourselves are having. Right. I mean, and, um, you know, again, I'm, I, I realize, and it sounds like you might be too. I was the rare few where my parents talked to me like an adult from a very young age. And, uh, and it was sort of like, like when you were getting the electrotherapy, I was getting, um, uh, um, uh, acupuncture at like five, like mm-hmm. sitting with my whole body with needles. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, and I just like, yeah, mom, this sounds about right. This is cool. Like, I'm just gonna, you know, because I was a very sick child, so she was always trying um, anything Eastern and organic. She didn't want to put any chemicals in my body, so I always had to fight disease uh, or like sickness and, and illness um, a certain way. Right. But not a lot of people. But having an adult level conversation, and I think that instead, what's happening is you know, is you get a very um, sensitive society that is dealing with a lot of its own issues and then putting it on their kids. And that's, that's tough. That's and not even, and I'm not taking anything away from, from parents that are doing that because they may not know that that's actually happening. But then again, that's where the whole higher consciousness and self-awareness and the better you are with yourself, the better that that actually bleeds out over into, you know, the cup runs over into everywhere else, especially your kids. Yeah. That, that grit, you know, you, you had to build some grit inside of you. And, um, I think, being in, you know, an alternative space or a minority space or um, just experiencing something that most people don't 
it actually builds characteristics that, you know, that all the major studies are saying we're lacking in students, the innovators, the creative thinkers, um, students with grit and perseverance. It's like a little bit of challenge uh, builds a very strong person. Absolutely. And we, you know, I also think sometimes we're, as a culture, we just, um, what we were in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s when we were really heavy math and science that been so competitive, there was a little bit more of that that grit and then um but we change like th times keep changing so like keeping up with those changes in those times we can't use what we what used to work in you know 50 40 50 60 years ago we're in a, just a different time we've had it you have to keep adapting and so i think that that's where um you know instilling that same competitive competitiveness of challenging yourself internally and making new things happen um in a new age and not relying on just where we, where we were and staying in that decade, you know? Yeah. So, and going, going back to business, I mean, it's, it's the same thing. It's yes. like res restriction breeds innovation and creativity or when you're told no in one way, um, that makes you deal, you know, you have to get creative at that point and think about alternative solutions. So, your original question about how I deal with, you know, business and art, um, it's really wearing two hats and, and going in between, but trying to integrate um, creative and business um, uh, sensitivities um, into, you know, being being in alignment. Which is perfect segue because I wanted to talk about, um, you know, along the way when you're trying to build your brand, these books, um, your art, and to your point of, yeah, a lot of times when there's the restriction of like, no, we're, we're not going to do it this way. This is how we always do it. This is what we're going to do. Um, how did you react? Obviously, you reacted creatively, but like, what were some of the things that you said? All right, I'm going to figure this out differently. Here's how I'm going to, you know, grow my, my reach. Here's how I'm going to, you know, market myself. How did you start doing all those things? Because I think a lot of people, they don't understand that nobody's going to do it for you. You think people are going to do it for you and you hope people are going to help you. And, and it's, it's okay. You will find people on the way who are like, they're all about you. But you have to really rely on building your own shit first. And then you'll get some people along the way that are really, you know, kind of attached to the movement. How did yeah. you, how did, like, what, you know, what were some things that happened to you that you're like, all right, cool. This, this no turned me into like, here's how I'm going to, here's how I'm going to approach the situation creatively. Okay. Well, the biggest challenge to me was, I had built this niche and this audience and this demographic around my vegan books. Um, and I started a Facebook page, you know, when, right when Facebook was just, you know, becoming popular and the publisher and I were like, I don't know, what's the difference between a page and a group and what should we do? It was like totally brand new. Um, and so I named the page after my first book, We Don't Eat Animals. And grew this audience completely organically and naturally um, to 130 plus thousand mm. over the years. And um, then I pivoted back to my personal art and created the, this new book, Bad Day, um, which is not about veganism, but it's still in the children's space. And it is neither my children's nor my, you know, more adult work. And so I came to this crossroads of saying, what am I going to do? How am I going to put everything under one umbrella 
um, do I let go of this page? Do I keep, do I keep the page vegan and just create, do I start, do I have to start from scratch with a whole new audience? And I really, really like almost drove myself crazy. This was a question in my mind for years. And like you said, nobody has the, the answer. It's all just an experiment. And there's not a lot of models out there in the business world Amen. for people who do multiple things for multiple demographics. And the message we've been told as entrepreneurs is be cohesive. You know, you look at Instagram feeds that are like, you know, people, the col- you know, get a color palette that's all the same and, and get a font that's all the same. And you start to see people generating this complete cohesion. And if they navigate away from that, you know, like you're punished, um, because your audience doesn't recognize you. So I had, this was a major crossroads and like, uh, what am I going to do marketing wise when now I'm expanding and I didn't mean necessarily to become a vegan brand. I like created this brand accidentally and then I pigeonholed myself Mm. and now what do we do? And, um, So I decided to be, there was nothing else I could, I didn't want to, you know, create under a separate name, um, as in a pen name and do children's stuff under that name and do my adult stuff because everything is related. And a lot of people who are interested in my kids stuff say, Oh, I didn't know you did the other stuff and, and vice versa. And so I decided uh, recently that I want everything under one umbrella and that feels the most genuine to me because all of these different projects are still 100% me even if they seem to the outside world to be very different from one another and so I changed the you know I thought about you know is there some consultant I can find like am I making a big mistake and I ultimately came to there's no mistake if you're in alignment with yourself mm-hmm. and I changed that Facebook page to my name and now everything that I do will be under that umbrella. And I moved, you know, I had two separate websites for my adult stuff and my kid stuff. I moved everything into one sh- store, one website with different, um, entry points. So we don't eat animals still goes, you know, to a, we don't eat animals page, but that links to one shop that has all of my work in it. And that's what I decided to do with, without, um, without any expertise from the outside world. But uh, I'm relying on my instincts and, you know, creating the kind of artist I want to be um, by just manifesting it physically in, in a website. You've just uh, completely spoken to my soul <laughs> on the mm-hmm. whole uh, – well – Nobody can give you the answer. That's it. The really thing. can't. It's crazy. It, it, they, I mean, nobody. Yeah. There's but, not got mark the marketing people have numbers, but the, no one's a god. Right. <laughs> no. Ab- absolutely. Can read the future. Absolutely. I, I'm going to talk to you about that marketing thing here in a minute. But um, but that uh, what, nobody has the answer. And then the other thing too is that that's just it. Is that I look at social. Uh, I, I've gone. I've been going through the same things that you're talking about. I still am going through the same things I'm talking about. Like. And by the way, the, the it's funny when you mentioned the um the whole palette. People ask me all the time, they're like, "How'd you get your palette?" I'm like, "I it was an accident. 
<laughs> no, 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 actually, I tell I tell people all the time, like if you have the balls to actually do it, scroll all the way down to the beginning. What was uh-huh. a, it was a it was a personal account that I just turned into HDF, and then by accident, what happened is, I think it was like one or two rows in, I'm like, oh, that looks cool. Yeah. I didn't I didn't understand about palettes. I was just like, oh, I like that. Oh, and it kind of looks weirdly like a magazine, black, white, black. Oh, that's cool. And like, and then it was a challenge. Like, how do I, you know, make sure that I always kind of like just do this fun little thing? Like, it was just a thing for me until you yeah. know. And, and you know, now, okay, we're also going back five, six years before people took Instagram the way that they do now. So it was, it was a very, it was a very weird thing where they're like, yeah, how did you, how did you come up with the concept? I'm like, by accident. Yeah, I, you know, because it was genuine. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, oh, that looks kind of cool. And you know, like, how far can I take that? You know, so, but, but your point too about being multiple things. Um, and I know the audience feels very much about this, and I know we were talking about this a little bit through email. It's a very big topic because um, the umbrella of Ruby Roth or Matt Gottesman is that we will be involved with multiple things, which, by the way, really are all connected. It's all connected. It's just that, like, the old way of, oh, well, like, and I've talked about this on a previous podcast, is like, oh, well, if you're an accountant, you're an accountant. Are you saying that you can't be an accountant for the music industry, an accountant for children's books, an accountant for, like, and then you can't use the number crunching to go into marketing? You can't use that to go into, like, you know, real estate. I mean, why why is everybody so caught up on, you know, this this one title thing? Um, because we're going we're gonna to take our skill sets. You're going to take your art into stuff for adults stuff for children stuff for yourself you know stuff for big brands there's so many different things that you can do when you're a master at your craft you know and i think this is a the, what we're experiencing which is when people do multidisciplinary and multi-demographic things you feel um conflicted about how to work very, with that very. um and i think this is a problem specifically of the digital age when people have gotten used to this cohesion, um, you know, back when Shel Silverstein, who wrote so many books that we know, the children's books, Where the Sidewalk Ends, mm-hmm. um, one of the most famous, he was an illustrator for Playboy for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And he wrote plays and top 50 um, pop songs for other people that we all know. And um, he wrote, I mean, a prolific person in so many different demographics. And he's been a model in my mind of like, if Shel Silverstein were alive today and had to have a website, what would Shel do? Um, because I don't see too many people that are like that today. Right. Well, because it got drilled after a while. Like, you know, I, I get it. Niche down for the thing that you're doing. But if you want to handle multiple niches, if, if you figured out a, a process and a system for one thing and you want to go into another niche and you're going to take the same process and system into other things, but, but tweak it for the, the market you're going for, then great. And then maybe, you know, for me, for me, bringing, bringing everything under one umbrella created a new job and new assignments for myself, which was creating content that explains the through line Mm -hmm. with, with all the different projects. Um, and so that's an ongoing mission that I have to put out, you know, in, on Instagram and in newsletters, um, consistently reeducating my audience, you know, about how, my feminine figurative art is related to children's books about emotions. That's awesome. And, well, and, and it's cool that um, yours is all organic. You know, um, it's it's weird in a world where we have to actually like whenever people ask me about the numbers or about the like, oh, you know, in your audience, this is like, yeah, you know, I, it's all organic. And they're like, oh, oh. And I'm like, is that weird that I have to tell you that? 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> saying that we live now and live in that kind of time. I'm like, wow, you know. But the fact that you're doing it um, in a manner where um, they've been with you throughout the journey and they're watching you evolve in a multitude of different ways. There's you can't. I I try to explain that sometimes to big brands. I'm like, you you can't take anything away from that. Like they are a part of that person's story. They want to be a part of your story. And um, and whatever. And let me tell you, it is uncomfortable for me, and I'm sure for a brand. It's, it's highly uncomfortable. Is I have you know, and this is part of where what we're talking about, where the personal meets business. Yes. You know, and my new book about overwhelming feelings and getting through them, where I'm personally being tested because I have had to say, okay, I'm I'm going to pivot and create this new thing, and I'm losing some people, and I'm gaining some people, and I'm confusing part of my audience, and I'm gaining a new audience, and people who liked seeing, you know, like, big ass and titties that I draw, and, you know, these feminine bodies are now seeing a children's book. It's like, I'm creating a little bit of a problem, and I have accepted that this is going to be um, a transition period. And this is an initiation for me to test my commitment to moving forward and trying and testing and getting comfortable as an artist in the ups and downs of the entrepreneurial experience. It's highly uncomfortable. I, 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 I struggle with it, actually. Uh, so I'm going to be very transparent on the show as well. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, well, because as the leader of your world people are watching you like say this might work i want to experiment with this because this is just coming up right now in my life and i want to experiment with this some of you may not understand it some of you are like now attaching yourselves even more to it and in front of you i'm evolving in different ways and figuring out what works and what doesn't work and i'm having to do that publicly and so i think sometimes people don't understand that that part um, and why I know that I, there's been times where I struggle because I'm like, like, huh, I didn't know that about you. And I'm like, oh, actually, it's my entire background. Like, oh, you never really talked about that before. Like, OK, let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. And then like and then you start doing something like, huh, why would you have, have gone into that? Like, that's that's kind of interesting. Like, oh, well, here's what era that comes from. And so, you you know, but it's also more in our head anyways, because most of the time they're like, yeah, you could do anything. <laughs> Sometimes our audience is also like, I, I know like my tribe is very much like, you could do anything. And I'm like, I'm certainly putting that to the test. <laughs> I think you're doing incredible, though. I mean, it's it's cool. I, I think it's cool that you're able to be that level of vulnerable. And that's where the long game people uh, like you're you're winning already you're winning in the future um because you're you're willing to do that level of, of deep work in front of the public getting out in front of the public and evolving in the process um but you're right it, it's it's like so many different <laughs> one minute they see big like i said big ass and titties and then like then the next minute you know they seem like children's books and it's like well yeah like why not like i i'm trying to heal one one part of the world and then I'm trying to heal another part of the world. And um, those require two totally different approaches. Yeah. And when I share more of my genuine backstory of like, here's this powerful female body that I'm drawing. And it, I'm doing that because of my childhood and embrace and not feeling that way myself, but living vicariously through these drawings that I was bringing into existence. And, you know, that led me to the food and sensitivity and, and books. And like, then it all makes sense. But yeah. it is a re-education process and rebranding um, that takes a long time. And I've accepted that it might be, you know, a number of years even, especially Amen. because 
I am my own, I am my own business. I don't have any help. Um, I do everything myself and, uh, it's going to be on me to ride this wave, you know, and, and, and the algorithm and techno technology is changing in the meantime. Like, yeah. uh, when I started my, you know, at the height of my Facebook, um, uh, work, I was reaching 250,000 people a week with my posts mm-hmm. and almost overnight that shifted. And, you know, sometimes on Instagram, I have two Instagram accounts. Like I am going to keep separate, um, you know, I'll throw something out there and there'll be 38 likes. And that is extremely difficult to handle. It's it's hard. It's really hard. But um, that goes back to the inner work and, you know, realizing that that this is just a challenge for me to learn how to be uh, a pro in my patients. And, um, and remember that uh, at all, all steps of the way from now on, I've decided to think, you know, long-term career, not mass explosions. Absolutely. You know, look, that 38 likes, first of all, that's 38 people that it, it, it caught it like yeah. that those 38 people understood. And I, and I get it in the world of like, you know, the likes and the follows, but, um, the, at the end of the day though, um, part of educating, I think I like to think of it like this, um, everybody knows on this i always use jay-z as an example but dude's genius um and they don't realize exactly how genius he is but like he would always do certain albums um lyrics that were very elevated and um but unfortunately knew that you also have to play a little bit of the pop culture and -hmm. so he would actually have to come to he even called it out in his songs like i had to dumb it down for the audience now they all y'all holler like you have to come down and he he would he'd come down a little bit um to get people to realize the art that was happening up here. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes, and then sometimes putting out tracks, right. And you see this with a lot of artists, like tracks that were like, huh, like, no, 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 go back to the booty chicken stuff or go back to the, you know, the, just like the, the rock, like, you know, just, you know, one chorus type stuff, whatever, even though there was deeper shit happening in their music. Um, and that's sometimes the, the balance, the intricate balance of like getting your audience to come up to where the level of play that your mind and creativity are at, um, because it's an educating of the audience. There's a, they, they get it. They love you. They're about your vibe, but they're also having to like, sometimes come up to like, damn, like Ruby's a genius. Like she's <laughs> out of this world. Like I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get it. Or like, you know, I didn't, I didn't stop bec- to, to take a second to realize like what she's putting out right there because I'm so busy scrolling, scrolling, scrolling because like I'm still in my own programming world, but holy shit, did she really just say what I just think she did or drew what she just drew? You know what I mean? Like, so I think that it, it's, we have to trickle that stuff in there for sure. And people don't like it as much. They just didn't get a chance to like maybe absorb it enough yet. Yeah, or, or just being okay with you might lose some people. And, Absolutely. You're going to lose a few along the way for and sure. And once upon a time, people followed people without Instagram. So, yeah. you know, we, I, per, I personally rather live in that world. So this is also, you know, maybe a reminder to, you know, go back to hitting the pavement and getting out to events and, fests and book fairs and like that kind of stuff meeting people face to face I actually physically feel better you know in those interactions than I do sitting here you know pressing buttons you know and and as you get out so it's funny because getting back to the basics is usually what after I have any kind of growth spurt I go I go right back to the basics I don't because I've noticed that not that we get lazy it's just that um 
the basics are where if we move away from the basics that caused all that to happen in the first place and we need to stay with the basics that work the the, the, the simple stuff that that just you know, that consistency of that stuff um okay oh, I, I was just watching this um there's a new uh, ken burns documentary um on country music mm. and it really hit me these stories of like way way back you know around you know uh when radio was just starting to happen you know these bands would come out and they would sell 75,000 copies and like it just kind of blew my mind thinking about it like how did they do that when getting to people in the middle of nowhere in that time um you know and, and radio was just beginning and like it actually made me feel hopeful and happy of like you know there's always another way to do things always always that's that's and that's the beauty of the time that we live in now from the technology side of things where um, there's always new ways to reach people um, and to get out in front of it if we're open to it and we see it and we're not you know we don't get so stuck like I mean everybody's stuck on Instagram now. Everybody's I like to tell myself there's so many things to try that I haven't even begun right. trying. Right. And that's and that but see that's your mentality too. That's the beautiful part about you being willing to do a lot of this work to build your, your brands the way you have and to test and experiment. The greatest growth marketers will say it's all about testing and experimenting. Most brands struggle with that. A lot of the big brands struggle with that. They just have big budgets that they're just like, yeah, okay, just use it on this and we'll, you know, our name's out there anyways. But they're, yeah. they don't, they're actually afraid to test stuff. They can't move. They can't innovatively move fast enough because they're afraid. Most people just, they don't realize it. They just see a big brand. They go, oh, you know, they're not afraid. I'm like, yes, they are. <laughs> I've tried to get them to do things. They're like, no, 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 nah. So you, you're, yeah. you're cutting edge at that point. Thank you. Well, I, I hope people relate because I really want to emphasize it is how difficult it is that it is. I mean, it's like, I, I cry sometimes. I'm like, and you know, through the process, it's truly blood, sweat and tears. It's like you, you have to face doubt and fear and um, manage expectations. It's like I hit I hit the publicity lottery in 2012 with Vegan is Love. It was considered very controversial, this book, children's book at the time. And it launched me into the spotlight. And I was on you know, Fox News arguing live with the child psychologist. And <laughs> Matt Lauer was talking about my book. I mean, it was crazy. <laughs> and when to the Today Show called, of course, I had a moment in my mind where I was like, tomorrow when my segment airs, I might become a bestseller. And like, I had a little piece of me was like, of course, when you hit that level of millions, like you sell a lot of books. And what happened was it helped get me known in the vegan space. And I became kind of a household name in the following years as far as vegan books in, in the houses that cared about those things and were searching, but I didn't become a bestseller and the lesson in that and the, the, you know, the dip in my emotions after of like, of realizing ain't no masterpieces like that is not the way to think about any project. Yep. Like the, the, the masterpiece is in the creation yep. and in your authenticity and your ability to keep going and create the next thing and to create the next thing. And that's it. Um, the dream, dream projects are themselves the reward. 
I'm glad you shared it that way too because so many people are starving for the attention. And the game taught me a lot about, um, besides patience, being very smart and strategic. And it's like, what do I want to build and what's the lifestyle that I want and um, with my art and creativity and where the money comes from and how much attention do you really want? Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, the world is a very sensitive, it's operating on a very sensitive programming. And so it's like, you know, how do you, impact the world but still have um the kind of life that you want that's not um you know uh too uh intrusive or interruptive (laughs) you know i'm saying that's part of been like my own you know uh, so i i just i learned and and the 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 press was fleeting i remember when we got featured in different areas and it's like yeah you get a spike some great things happen some new eyes come on you um but then along the way i'm I'm so grateful for the times of like not that's a rejection but just like things where they didn't necessarily work out it, it forced me into a like looking at other people along the way and going huh like that's what comes with it huh interesting good to know let me take note of that so it's like you get to study the game too based on other people as well and you're like you know bestseller huh like what how did they structure themselves afterwards how did they handle it what's what's what would you do differently if you were you know it's like it, it preps you in a different way you start prepping especially if you're like you doing the work the way you're doing it you get to prep differently watching other things happen absolutely and it's a it's a never-ending process <laughs> absolutely and being able to pick yourself up and keep going is like that's it's every it's every marketing, you know, business expert is going to tell you the same thing. You just pivot and try again, pivot and try it again. And if you're creative, that's actually your job. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, um, it's interesting. I, um, I heard uh, recently somebody tell me a, a tech company that I saw on the board and they're like, we talked to this agency and they said, we need 10,000 followers. I'm like, they give you a reason for the arbitrary number. <laughs> and they're like, well, uh, no, they just said that that's where people would take us seriously. I'm like, who's pe- what, what, what people? Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, uh, like people would like think that we're a legit brand. I'm like, uh, the people you do it for would be the ones that may would make you think that you're a legit brand. I'm like, that's the issue with all these agencies saying like, you know, you need 10,000 followers or 50,000 followers. I'm like, no. I was like, you want to know what real strategic marketing is? Like what? I'm like, figure out the number of people that would purchase your product or service um, that you would want to, that like are in your, your target market. And those are the people you're trying to hit up. And then you just want them as followers. And then what percentage of those people would you like to actually purchase your products or services? Mm-hmm. They're like, Oh, and I'm like, yeah, do it for the people that you're doing it for. I'm like, stop with the, you know, these agencies throw out arbitrary numbers because it looks good. That's that. I was like, and they charge tens of thousands of dollars. I'm like, unbelievable. What, what, how, but you're you're doing it right. You're absolutely doing it right. And I, I, I and but by the way, I mean like look, you're how many books in are you? You five five books in now? Yeah, this is book number five. I mean, come on, Ruby, like you're crushing it. Five five books. You got tribes at your back. Um, you know, uh and um you're part of various movements, you're educating the masses, and you're just getting started. Like, think about how how insanely awesome that is, like where you're at and where you're heading. I mean Man, and, and and I get it because it's always <laughs> the artist is always the toughest critic. I'm always tough on myself, and then people be like, "I'd like you to take a step back and see exactly what's happening here." I'm like, "What? What? I don't have time. What's going on?" <laughs> you know. And then you look oh, at it. I have I have all the voices. I have the voices. You know, yeah. the uh, one that says nothing's happening. Right. Right. Um, this new book is out, and nothing is happening. And then I have another voice that says, "Like, be patient." 
and you're in this for the long haul and you're a pro and you know what to do. You know what this is. You've been in this position before. And another, you know, ego voice, it's like, you know, you are crushing it and who has five books and, um, you know, there's all kind and all of these voices speak to each other and calm each other down. Right, <laughs> <And> like, right. <laughs> going. So true. They exit each other out too sometimes. No, but you're, you're absolutely right. And, and, and what I've, I've also noticed from the game is that like, look, we've, we've been required to do so much work. Well, of course, if, um, if the pro, if the championship series were to all of a sudden you were to en enter that game, whew, you're like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. There's a lot of people who enter that championship game very quickly. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, somebody don't, don't pass me the ball. I don't want it. Like, I don't want it. Like, you're like, give me that shit. Because <laughs> you, you've been doing it for so long. That's, that's, that's the thing that I've really learned about the long game is that, like, you're ready for that championship series. You're like, oh, yeah, no, I got this. Like, if we have to go to game seven, I got that too. And I'll take the last shot. Thank you. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and knowing mm -hmm. that you got there because you got kicked around a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And there was some grit and and hardship and trouble and, you know, sweating it out and, uh, you know, all of those things, very, very normal and very, um, you know, part, part of the process after I, you know, hit the publicity lottery big is like, you know, the, the, the low after that of real, like one of the thoughts was I will never in my life probably have that level of exposure at once mm. again. And what do you do with that feeling? Um, you know, it is, it, it is a real test of your, your inner power and your commitment to the journey. It's true. It's true. And then it, and it just goes to kind of show you that like those moments come and then they go and you're still here. So you got to still keep growing. You still, still got to keep building and doing the things that are right for you, you know, yeah. and, and you and have been that all those experiences, like, whatever comes your way, you will, you know, raise your pitcher's mitt and, you know, catch the ball. And, um, like you said, you, you come to be able to say, I got this. And everybody listening, I want you to go to YouTube and, and watch Ruby's, uh, Ruby raw, just go to YouTube and check out the videos because I got to watch them when I first learned of her. And it was awesome how, how you, I was telling you earlier, how you handled yourself on these, uh, these interviews. Um, it, when, you know, because you're you're talking about new subjects that you know these quote unquote older adults <laughs> didn't know. You know, they were like pressing on, and you just handled it like a straight gangster. <laughs> well, I you know I knew they were not celebrating what I was doing. No, they, were they weren't trying to wreck me. You know what I I learned. We all know about the media and what they do, mm -hmm. um, but to be the target of it is really nuts. And to realize, like, I'm sure some of the you know the talking heads. Um, and the newscasters, they don't even care. They don't even necessarily believe what they're saying, but their job is to create controversy and uh, discord. And that's, you know, essentially clickbait or view bait for the audiences. So they were trying to take me down and humiliate me publicly. And I knew that going in. And I really put my boxing gloves on. And um, that's one thing I'm I'm proud of looking back is like, I will throw myself to the wolves, throw myself to the wolves over and over and over again. And I am very willing to take risks and open myself up to um, whatever comes my way. Honestly, if, if we were being honest and I want anybody listening to go see the videos, 
honestly, Ruby, I kind of think you were the only wolf <laughs> in that scenario. They, and because and I, I like what you're saying about, um, you know, sometimes the and not all this doesn't go out to all. We, we will never generalize. But like but there's a lot of, you know, you see a lot of um, the the interviewers or, you know, people on, uh, you know, on these 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 channels where it's just because it's so surface level. They're not actually getting deep, nor do they have a, that relationship with themselves. So you can imagine like an interviewer that doesn't even have that relationship with themselves you know, asking these very service level questions without even understanding the person in front of them. So the sheep, you know, talking to the wolf and the wolf being like, are you serious? Like, of course, this is a great topic. Of course, this is this is awesome. How you know that they, they did. There was no depth to them. So there's when there's no depth, they couldn't possibly whether they're, you know, being um, whether malicious or just, you know, to, to create discord or just because there's no depth to them that are like, don't you think that this is a very harsh topic and that the words should be like this? Or like, oh yeah, like, you know, you're, you're still part of that whole like matrix society, huh? Like, you know, um, and, and <laughs> not seeing it for like what it really is. Like, no, actually this is an exact kind of conversation we should have, which I think is how you said it. In one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, like I was like that, that's actually right there when I was like, yeah, you're coming on the show ASAP. <laughs> well, you know, I think, I think it also brings up, um, you know, when, when there, when there is something out there that's against you or your product or your business, um, to see it also as an opportunity, like yes. not to try it. I have, I've had, you know, even death threats emailed to me about these books, but like how to take negative comments and use them to your advantage instead of trying to hide them. Right. I've used a lot of this footage and not me speaking up for myself, but what people are saying about my books and, you know, even Amazon comments or on blog comments, you know, really negative stuff. And I take it and I take it into my speaking engagements and I put it in the PowerPoint presentation and I say, let's talk about this. And it gives me more fuel to, um, to fire up my tribe and people who are with me and um anybody can do that with their business instead of you know even if you have you know negative yelp reviews to like take a negative yelp review and blow it up and say you know like have an answer to it and that essentially creates a stronger business for you and, and people so kind of um are into you know that, that little bit of fire and controversy oh yeah i'm like ooh, more content <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. I've content forever. People ask me they're like, "Don't you how how do you not run out of content?" I'm like, "How could you not?" I was like, "As long as we're alive, there's content happening everywhere." And I'm like, "And as long as we're opening up conversations, you better believe there's a lot more happening." Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. Oh, man, your 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 question. What do you what do you have coming up next? Any any um I know you, you got the new book. Um you can talk about that. What what else you got coming up? Anything? Um that's the next question is what's next? Um Bad Day has only been out for a few weeks, so um, I think the rest of this year is, is going to be continuing to push that and think creatively and um, reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. And then it's time to press pause and, um, you know, back to the drawing table. And uh, I've actually put myself, you know, while this period of time I knew, you know, when you're pushing something out is is very little uh, – physical creativity like drawing and painting I knew that this time was going to be administrative um, and so you know like we've been talking about and switching hats I don't always feel like you know after I've done a ton of of um, emailing and outreach I don't always feel like drawing and painting I'm just not in that mode um, 
but to keep that going, just to keep a little spark and flow, I've enrolled myself in a drawing and painting class. So I've been doing that once a week. And then once I feel like I can move this administrative section a little bit to the back burner, um, it's going to be time to press pause on the outside world and go back go back to the quiet and the, the empty drawing board and think of a new project. Oh, man. It, again, this whole episode has been speaking to my soul because it's true. Like, uh, especially during, I like that you use the word admin. It's true. Very heavy admin uh, times are, you know, that's both uh, outward facing and, um, you know, because uh, I build a lot of systems for all of my stuff, too. And uh, there's several different things that I run that I've created. And it's like no one's going to create it the way I'm going to create it. So it's very admin intensive and heavy and long hours in front of the computer building it and designing it. <laughs> Just people don't really, and then they don't realize like I'm doing the marketing on the podcast. I'm the one creating all of, like the, the graphics and materials and the templates and all that other stuff I'm doing because I like the relationships. I'm, like there's so many different areas of different businesses that I like. They just require so much. You're, you're absolutely right. And it, it takes a, and I think it's cool that you're also, you're also, um, you know, having that, that artistic time for yourself to balance it all out as well. And, um, because that creativity also breeds newness and ideas and life. Yeah. Well, I, I want to emphasize I didn't necessarily feel like it all the time. You know, like when I'm doing right. admin, 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 and it's time to go to class, I don't feel like it, yep. but I built it in structurally, yep. um, to, you know, f- force myself. Yep. That's, I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this up. And that's, that's the shit people don't talk about. It's like, oh, you're crushing it. Like, welcome to 15 years deep. You're everywhere. You know, here's the money. Here's everything. That's amazing. But they don't realize all of this stuff that you're talking about in the middle that goes on. And it's very real. I relate to every single bit of it. I'm in the middle of a lot of it. <laughs> so you're not alone. And, um, you know, I just appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate what you do and and having these conversations that are, I feel like they're a little more real than what I see out there on marketing and business. Oh, don't even get me started on that one. We'll do that on another episode. I actually, I, I, you know, I, you know, by now I I love when people come back on the show. Um, It's every guest is welcome back on because it is a journey driven podcast and you want to go after that? We can definitely go after that. Um, <laughs> but we can pick any we can pick any number of topics. And uh, you know, I appreciate the compliments. But um, you're doing incredible work. I, I I got the book Bad Day, and it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. And everybody listening to, by the way, please go check out. Uh, oh yeah, at Ruby underscore Roth, R U B Y underscore R O T H on Instagram. But where can everybody find you and reach out to you? Um, my website is now rubyroth.co. And like I said, that's the umbrella site. So you're going to land on me there and then find all the different things. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, um, and be sure to reach out to her. Everybody like listening, like she's doing some really cool things, both for adults and kids. So there's no excuse at this point. Um, and, uh, yeah, the tribe, by the way, Ruby is very, usually very strong. So it's like, if you post anything about this or do anything, they usually kind of like, Hey, I'm checking out the episode. Hey, you know, how can I support? Um, or they might DM you. I'm just giving you a heads up. <laughs> Welcome all the DMs and the connecting, you know? So, and like I said, in the, in the bad day book trailer, um, that book is for ages zero to 101. It, it really is about everything that we've talked about today. Right? No, I, I truly appreciate it. And so, so yeah, you're welcome back anytime. I uh, really, really, truly appreciate you and um, looking forward to learning more. And thank you. 
Thank you so much, Matt. Absolutely. Everybody, uh, hang back for one second. Everybody else uh, listening, appreciate you guys as always. Uh, seriously, the fact that you do reach out to each of these people is amazing. Um, if not, you know, I always ping you guys somewhere, either in my emails, <laughs> my weekly emails or in my uh, uh, in my DMs, because I, I want you guys to be aware of all these really great artists and creators out there. Um, you know, we are swiftly approaching 300 episodes, so I really want to just extend the shout. I appreciate all the ratings and the reviews and the comments and the likes and the, you know, the reaching out. It really means a lot, truly, um, that the show is growing the way it is. And um, for our amazing guest, Ruby Roth, please, please be sure to check her out. Um, real, raw, hardworking, creative, getting it done, working on herself, creating this beautiful media slash art slash entrepreneurial empire um, and doing it the right way. And you have to really, really respect that. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. And for another great episode, I'm Matt Gottesman. Uh, this is how Sold Separately. We're out. <laughs>